Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here on The Truth. I hope you guys are excited for week four here in the NFL as we are going to be going over your fantasy football slash NFL preview for this week in the NFL. If you guys are new to The Truth and just the series in general, I will first go over the scores in week three, briefly talk about the game, That will lead me into my three takeaways from last week. We'll go into our NFL portion where I'll go over my game of the week, two other games to watch out for, lock of the week, upset of the week. And then fantasy is going to be our last area of, I guess, expertise. I'll go over my fantasy team's performance last week, two must-starts, two must-sits, two sleepers, and two busts, and then we'll end out the show here today. Without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into recapping scores as I get a birth control alarm, which is kind of weird because I'm a guy. But anyways, let's go ahead and uh, recap scores in week three in the NFL. The Vikings, my Vikings, came back from behind, beat the Lions 28-24. to Detroit, Jared Goff uh, had a pretty good day, 25 for 41, 277, one touchdown, one interception. Jamal Williams had two touchdowns on the ground on 20 carries and 87 yards. Amon Ron St. Brown, six catches for 73 yards. Josh Reynolds, six for 96. And Amon Ron St. Brown will miss this week's matchup due to an ankle injury. Amon Ron St. Brown also, I believe, snapped a streak of eight consecutive games with eight receptions or something like that. He only needed to get that in one more game to break history. Kirk Cousins, 24 for 41, 260 and two tutties. <coughs> Dalvin Cook, 17 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen, both with a touchdown. Uh, And then uh, Justin Jefferson, only three catches for 14 yards. A little disappointing on his end there. And then Josh Metalis got the interception. The Vikings win. They improved to 2-1 on the year. They'll face the Saints in London next week. The Ravens win on the road against the Patriots. A good game for the Ravens. The Ravens' offense is doing a lot better than people were expecting, including myself. Lamar, 18 for 29, 218, four tutties, one interception. He also had 107 rushing yards on 11 attempts and a touchdown. Mark Andrews had a good game, eight receptions, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Rashad Bateman, two catches for 59 yards. Josh Baines had an interception on the defensive side, and Marlon Humphrey as well also had an interception, and then Marcus Peters also had an interception. Mac Jones, 22 for 32, 321, three interceptions in this one. Stevenson and Harris, 73, 41 yards, each with a touchdown, respectively. Mac Jones also had a rushing touchdown. Devontae Parker had a really good game, five catches for 156. And on the defensive side, Josh Jones, sorry, Jonathan Jones had an interception for the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is going to be out, it looks like, this week. He's got a high ankle sprain. The video of him going to the tunnel is definitely kind of painful to watch, so a little bit disappointing. If you're a Patriots fan, you got Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zapp as your next quarterbacks up. We'll see who gets the start in that one. The Saints lose again, 14-22 to to the Carolina Panthers, who pick up their first win of the season. Jameis Winston, <coughs> 25-41, 353, one touchdown, two interceptions. Kamara, 61 rushing yards. Mark Ingram only had five carries, but did get in the end zone ones. Chris Olave, nine receptions, 147 yards. I don't think this is the week I said Chris Olave was going to break out. I think I said that in week two, but he is definitely emerging as number one of the better wide receivers that the Saints have to offer. Michael Thomas, five catches for 49 yards. Um, a good receiving day for Chris Olave and the Saints receivers. Baker Mayfield, 12 for 25, 171 touchdown. 
Baker Mayfield's really struggled um, in a Carolina uniform. McCaffrey, 25 for 108. He is back-to-back rushing games over 100 yards. He only caught the ball two times for seven yards. Levante or Lavishka Chenault Jr., two receptions, 90 yards, and one touchdown. Jeremy Chin had a sack, and then Derek Brown, surprisingly enough, had an interception. uh, J.C. Horn also had an interception, too, for the Panthers. The Panthers win this one. They get their first one of the year. The Bears beat the Texans at home. (coughs) Excuse me. 23 to 20. Davis Mills, 20 for 32, 245, one touchdown and two interceptions. Damian Pierce finally got going. Lovey Smith did say that Damian Pierce was supposed to get some more touches. He did. 20 rushes, 80 yards, and one touchdown. On the receiving side for the Texans, Chris Moore led the way as far as receivers are concerned with three receptions and 63 yards. Over to the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, 8 for 17, 106, two interceptions. Khalil Herbert, 20 rush, 157 yards, and two touchdowns. What a day for him. Montgomery, only three rushes for 11 yards. Cole Komet, the leading receiver. I believe after not getting a reception in either two weeks, he gets one, two, I should say, in this one, for 40 yards. And the Bears do somehow beat the Texans 23-20. to The Bears are 2-1, and one, and that makes me want to shoot myself in the face. Talk about the Colts, man. 20-17 win at home against the Chiefs to improve to 1-1-1 on the year. Patty Mahomes, 20 for 35, 262, a touchdown and an interception. He also ran the ball four times for 26 yards. Actually, was their leading rusher. Jarek McKinnon, 7 for 20. Receiving-wise, Travis Kelsey, 458, a tutty, and Juju, 5 for 89. Really was hard for the passing game to get going on the Chiefs' side. On the flip side, Matt Ryan had a good game, 27 for 37, 222, and two touchdowns. He did get sacked five times, which is an interesting note. The running game really has not been established yet this year. Jonathan Taylor, 21 carries for 71 yards. And then Michael Pittman had eight receptions for 72 yards. The Colts, man, they beat the Chiefs in a good one, but there's definitely some work to still be improved on both sides. My upset of the week was not an upset of the week, though. Eagles win against the Commanders on the road 24-8. Jalen Hurts continuing his dominating year 22-35, 340, three passing touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also ran the ball nine times for 20 yards. Miles Sanders was the leading rusher, 15 rushes, 46 yards. Devontae Smith, eight receptions, 169, and one touchdown. He had a really good game. He's really starting to pick it up after a rough week one. Week two against the Vikings, he had a good week, and now this week. Carson wins 25 for 43. Really did not get anything going until the end of the game when it was kind of garbage time. 211 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. The running game was the biggest flaw for the Commanders this game. 12 rushes for 36 yards and a touchdown was their leading rusher in Antonio Gibson. Scary Terry, six receptions and 102 yards. The Eagles went on the road, and they are now 3-0, playing Jacksonville this week. Talk about a good game. The Bills and the Dolphins definitely played one. Uh, The Dolphins win 21-19 in this one. The Bills, Josh Allen, 42 for 63. Talk about passing the football. 400 yards and two passing touchdowns. Rushing the ball, he also was their leading rusher. Eight rushes for 47 yards. Zach Moss, their second leading rusher, four for 46. Devin Singletary, their running back, was their leading receiver. Nine for 78 and one touchdown. McKenzie, seven for 76 and one touchdown. And Stephon Diggs, seven for 74. Dolphins and Tua, um, you know, this is being recorded after that Thursday night game. Um, and so, you know, Tua got a concussed on Sunday, came back, played on Thursday, and got concussed again. That's just a really sticky situation. That may be a topic for a different show. Tua, 13 for 18, 186, and one passing touchdown. 
uh, Chase Edmonds, there you go, not Chris Edmonds, their leading rusher, six for 21 and two rushing touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, four catches for 102 yards. Tyree Kill, only two for 33. I thought this game was going to be a bit more high scoring, 21 to 19. You know, the defenses really came up to play and, and played well. Um, it was a little bit disappointing because I had, you know, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, Gabe Davis, all these guys playing um, in my five leagues. And so I was hoping for more of an offensive showcase. But the Dolphins do win, uh, take away the Bills' undefeated chances for a season. And then the Bengals, who we're going to talk about now, just took away the Dolphins' chances for an undefeated season. The Bengals beat the Jets 27-12 to on the road. They get their first win of the year. Joe Burrow, 23 for 36, 36, 275, and three touchdowns. Shermanje Perrine, their leading rusher in this one. Joe Mixon was absolutely shut down, 12 for 24. Perrine, 9 for 47, though. Tyler Board, 4 for 105, and one T. Tiggins, T. Tiggins, T. Higgins, 5 for 93. Jamar Chase, 629, and one touchdown. On the flip side, Joe Flacco in his last start for the Jets at the moment, 28 for 52, 284, and two interceptions. Definitely had a better game in week two than he did in week three. Michael Carter, 11 rushes for 39 yards. Brees Hall, 8 for 39. Conklin, man, 8 for 84. Garrett Wilson, 6 for 60. People weren't expecting Conklin to really kind of break out in the league, and I wasn't either. I mean, I played for Minnesota, but now getting a real better opportunity as the number one tight end in New York. Obviously had a good week. The Jets get Zach Wilson back this week, and I read a good article that Zach Wilson doesn't have to save the Jets season, but he's just got to be better than Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco, for where he's at in his career, honestly played really well. So we'll see what happens down the line there. The Raiders taking on the Titans on the road. Derek Carr, 26 for 44, 303, two touchdowns, one interception, the battle of the 0-2s. Josh Jacobs, 13 for 66, and then receiving Mac Hollins. Talk about a guy that's been underrated this year. 8 for 158 and 1 touchdown. Devontae Adams, 5 for 36, 1 touchdown. Darren Waller, 3 for 22. He also dropped a touchdown because I watched that live and almost put a hole through my computer. The Titans, Ryan Tannehill, 19 for 27, 264, 1 touchdown, 1 interception. Derrick Henry got in the end zone, 20 rushes, 85 yards. He also received 5 for 58 with Robert Woods being the leading receiver at 4 for 85. It wasn't pretty. You know, the Titans jumped off to a really good start. Um, they scored all their points in the first half, but, you know, a win's a win. And especially when you're 0-2, <coughs> you'll take your wins anywhere and any chance you get. The Jaguars with the surprise of the week, 38-10 to on the road over the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 39, 262, three touchdowns. James Robinson, man, 17 for 100 and a touchdown. Zay Jones, 10 for 85 and one touchdown. I believe Zay Jones is not a very high pickup in fantasy leagues. Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones Jr. also had touchdowns as well. Really good day by the Jacksonville offense. Herbert, 25 for 55, 297, a tutty, and an interception. The biggest takeaway in this one was the running game was pretty much non-existent. Sony Michelle was their leading rusher, 5 for 22. Eckler, 4 for 5. Joshua Palmer, who I believe, yeah, he's a wide receiver. For a second, I thought he was like, I thought it was like Joshua Kelly. I was going to say they're running back, but six for 99, Eckler eight for 48. A good overall win by the Jaguars. The Chargers have a bounce back week this week against the Texans. But I did say that about, you know, their week one opponent or their week, or this, this opponent, the Jaguars as well. So we'll see what happens in this one. Maybe some concerns in LA moving forward. The Falcons win on the road against the Seahawks 27 to 23. Marcus Mariota, 13 for 20, 229, a tutty and an interception. Cordero Patterson, again, really good week one, really crappy week two, really good week three. He's really one of those players that's either really good or really bad. 
17 for 141 and one touchdown. Kyle Pitts, 5 for 87. Drake London, 354 and a touchdown. Drake London's really off to a good start this year. He will be seeing some action in some fantasy teams going into this week. Geno Smith, 32 for 44, 325, two touchdowns, one interception. Rashad Penny, 14 for 66. Tyler Lockett, 9 for 76. DK Metcalf, 5 for 64 and one touchdown. A good Falcons win. It was just a good overall game. It was 27-23 on the road. Those are the kind of games that, as a Falcons fan, you are really excited to see your team go out there and win in a tough environment, even though they're not the greatest team in Seattle. The Rams went on the road against their NFC West rival, the Arizona Cardinals, 20-12. The Rams, Matthew Stafford, 18 for 25, 249, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Cam Akers, 12 for 61. He also had a touchdown. Daryl Henderson, 4 for 17. Cup, one rush, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Talk about a interesting player. Ben Skoranek was their leading receiver, 4 for 66. Cooper Cup, only four catches for 44 yards. Talking about the running back situation, though, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen down the line because both running backs, I feel like, obviously Cam Akers did nothing in week one. I thought they were steady fast in week two, and now Cam Akers has got the lead in week three. What's going to happen between those two running backs is going to be something to see moving forward. Kyler Murray, he didn't necessarily have a bad game. 37 for 58, 314. No tutties, no interceptions um, on his side. It helps to get no touchdowns when your field goal kicker has four field goals. James Conner, 13 for 39. Marquise Brown, 14 for 140. Greg Dorchich, sorry, nine receptions for 90 yards as well. The Rams went on the road against Arizona. Both teams, sorry, the Rams are 2-1. The Cardinals are 2-1. Both teams in that spot trying to win the NFC West division, which honestly I feel like is going to be up for grabs this year. America's Game of the Week, the Packers taking on the Bucks. The Packers win on the road 14-12 in an absolute slugfest. This was an interesting game, to say the least. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, 27 for 35, 255, two passing touchdowns, one interception. I believe almost broke the completion completions in a row. Um, that would have been insane. Aaron Jones, 12 carries for 36 yards. A.J. Dillon, 12 for 32. Randy D- Romeo, I keep saying these names wrong. Romeo Dobbs, eight receptions, 73 yards, and one touchdown. Honestly, if you're not getting the running game going, whether it was Jones or Dillon, you got to be pleased walking away with a victory. Tom Brady on the flip side, 31 for 42. Not a bad game. 271, one touchdowns, no interceptions. The running game was the biggest takeaway in this one. Only 34 rushing yards. That's not really going to cut it. Russell Gage had a breakout game, 12 for 87 and one touchdown. Mike Evans, don't forget, was out this game due to uh, being in a fight. And also, Julio Jones was not in this game. Nor was Chris Godwin, do I believe. So they were really depleted as far as wide receivers are concerned. But Russell Gage did fill into that role. Tampa Bay, man, they're they're struggling so far. Um, well, not necessarily struggling. They just don't look good. They're, both teams are 2-1. They just don't look good, at least in my opinion. We'll see what happens down the line. In the greatest Sunday night football game in NFL history, the Broncos come away with a win, 11-10 at home. Jimmy Garoppolo, 18 for 29, 211 yards, a touchdown and an interception, and a safety for running out of the back of his end zone. Jeff Wilson, 12 for 75. Debo Samuel, 5 for 73. Brendan Ayuk, 3 for 39, and a touchdown. Russell Wilson had 20 for 33, 184. Jamal Williams, 15 for 58. And Cortland Sutton, my guy, 8 for 97. Good game for Cortland Sutton. Both teams, man, the 49ers, like, they don't look good at all. It doesn't matter who's their quarterback right now. And then also the Broncos, they don't look good either. But, again, they're kind of like the Packers in a 2-1 situation. The Giants' miracle season, at least to start the year, has come to an end in a good fought game. You know, the Cowboys went on the road 23-16. to 
Dallas 2-1, I believe 2-0 with Cooper Rush, who was 21 for 31 in this one, 215 and one touchdown. Tony Pollard, 13 rushes for 105. Zeke Elliott, 15 for 73, also had a touchdown. And then CeeDee Lamb, 8 for 87, and a really good ridiculous catch in the end zone. The running game, having over 170 yards, is going to be huge for the Cowboys moving forward if they want to have success. And that was one of the reasons why they won, getting the football and holding the time of possession. Danny Dimes, 20 for 37, 196, one interception. Barkley continued his hot streak, 14 for 81, and one touchdown. Sterling Shepard, 5 for 49. I believe he tore his ACL in this one, so he'll be done for the year. He was their leading receiver, Saquon, 4 for 45 as well. The Cowboys win on the road, and that is the recap for week three here in the NFL. Let's go ahead and take a look at my three takeaways. My first one. Do the Jaguars surprise with a playoff push? Now, this might be a little bit exaggerated. I do not think the Jaguars are going to surprise for a playoff push. But they're 2-1. You know, they just beat the living daylights out of the Chargers, who just missed the playoffs last year for multiple reasons, um, but mainly because they didn't end up in a tie. They're 2-1 going into this week, and this week they're taking on the Eagles. Now, if they beat the Eagles, I honestly think there's some serious consideration for the Jaguars to potentially be considered a playoff team. I would be curious to see, too, um, you know, in week two, they did end up uh, winning against the Colts 24-0. And then in week one, they did lose in a close one, 22-28. They could be 3-0, which is interesting to say. Trevor Lawrence in a sophomore campaign, you know, typically guys that have a really good rookie season have a pretty bad second year. And that's kind of been flipped for Trevor Lawrence. He started off pretty good. <coughs> James Robinson has pretty much answered the call, at least for now, who's going to be the main running back there. They have weapons around Trevor Lawrence, and their defense has been solid, too, so be curious to see how the Jaguars move forward. Saquon's back. You know, Saquon's the number one running back in fantasy, which, again, doesn't necessarily correlate to the NFL. But the bottom line is the Giants' offensive line's gotten better, and Saquon's kind of feeling his groove now. You saw him excited after that first week one win and then that week two win. He's excited. He's pumped to be in uh, New York. I'm not saying he hasn't been in previous years, but just losing consistently has got to take a tear on a guy individually. And so... Having a situation like this where he's kind of in a better groove, it's kind of one of those things to see, you know, as long as he stays healthy, Saquon can be back and really showcase what he's being able to do. It does – you get you got to credit, though, um, Brian Dable and the Giants offensive line, too. You can't just throw all the blame – or not blame, success on Saquon itself. And then what the hell is going on in Indianapolis? They lose week one – sorry, they tie week one of the Texans. They lose week two by getting shut out to the Jaguars. Now they beat one of the best teams in the NFL and the Chiefs. Are they a playoff team or are they not? I really don't understand them. The biggest thing that I would say that's really good for Chiefs, Colts fans, I should say, is Jonathan Taylor has just not been able to get going right now, which sounds horrible as well as far as me trying to say it's going to be a good thing moving forward. But in a way, it shows that there is potential once Jonathan Taylor gets things going. You know, Matt Ryan's got a, a little bit of an adjustment to make from going over from Atlanta where he spent his entire career to Indianapolis. That takes time, but getting Jonathan Taylor going is going to be vital. I think they're going to be a team three weeks from now. We'll really know if they're going to be a playoff team or if they're going to be packing their bags early and looking for an early round draft pick. So that's your recap in week three. Let's go ahead and take a look and preview week four. Let's go ahead and move into the NFL portion here in week four in the NFL First, by going over my game of the week, it's got to be the Chiefs at the Bucks, man. You know, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. I said this last week about Aaron Rodgers, but potentially the last meeting, and honestly, unless both teams make the Super Bowl, the last meeting between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, the old generation um, versus the new generation. So I'd be curious to see how this one pans out in this one. 
The Chiefs and the Buccaneers are both 2-1, and one, so you have different kind of avenues that both teams have gone through. The Buccaneers have really struggled on offense, whereas the Chiefs have really thrived on offense. The Buccaneers have done really well on defense, where at times the Chiefs haven't done that great on defense. So it's kind of like correlating different approaches to the game and seeing which side is going to end up being the better side. And I still think, you know, even though the Buccaneers have their offensive struggles, they should be getting Mike Evans back. Julio Jones is going to be questionable. Same with uh, Chris Godwin. On the flip side, you know, you got a good defense. You got Tom Brady, who's known to win, been prone to winning games before in the past. That it's almost one of those things that's really going to come down to how is the offense going to play compared to the defense? Is the Buccaneers' offense going to be able to do enough to sustain the defense and make sure that the Buccaneers are going to come away with the victory? I am going to go with the Chiefs though in this game. You know, I think the Chiefs have the better, well-rounded team. I do favor the Bucks' defense over the Chiefs' defense, but the Chiefs' offense is just far more superior. Then the Buccaneers' offense and the Chiefs' offense can kind of run through the Bucks' defense, and in a way, the Bucks' defense isn't going to be recover, won't be able to recover well and face the Chiefs' um, offense. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. I think the Chiefs will win this game pretty handily, probably 34 to 20 around that margin. There, I do think Patrick Mahomes gets the best of Tom Brady, and again, they're probably the last meeting between these two quarterbacks. The Bills and Ravens are also going to be a good game to look out for. Both teams, man, the Bills and the Ravens had a, have had a pretty good schedule, at least to start the year. Both teams are coming into this one with 2-1 and one records. It is a 10 a.m. game, so that's going to be fun to see how this one comes about. The Bills coming off a devastating loss to the, the Dolphins in last week um, on the road, and then the Ravens winning on the road against the Patriots. Honestly, it comes down to defense. Uh, both offenses we know are superior. The Ravens' offense has really been surprising a lot of people. Both have similar styles, but not at the same time. Lamar Jackson's obviously that main piece for the Ravens, and Josh Allen's the main piece for the Bills. Josh Allen is more of a dual-threat quarterback in the fact that he's got a really tremendous arm. He's also got really good legs, but Lamar Jackson has a good arm and really good legs. So it's really interesting to see. Both teams also don't use their running backs like at all. They don't have really any rushing stats, so it's going to be um, either the quarterbacks running the football or a very high air attack. Expect Mark Andrews to not have another big game. Um, expect, expect the Stephon Diggs to have a big game. Um, you know, Gabe Davis potentially have a big game too. And I am going to go with the Bills in this one just because I think the Bills are too good to lose to two good teams back-to-back. -back. I think the Bills will win this one 31-28. You know, the Ravens are going to put up a good fight, but the Bills, Josh Allen, are just a bit more superior. I'd be curious to see how this one pans out. But nonetheless, it still should be a good game. Titans taking on the Colts is my other game to watch out for. Now, this might not be the biggest game on the market, or at least one of the biggest games, but it's an AFC South battle, and both teams are really vying for an AFC South crown, at least at the moment. You know, the Jaguars have been saying um, in a period of time that they're 2-1. Maybe they're going to make a run. I did say that briefly um, in the last segment, but you know, overall, the division typically runs to the Titans and the Colts, and whoever's going to be the better team or the better one between the two is going to end up being the representative. And this could have far-reaching implications down the line. Both teams have been struggling. You know, the Colts just beat the Chiefs. The Titans just beat the Raiders, so they're on their one-game winning streak. But other than that, how is this going to factor in? You know, how are the Titans going to come into Indianapolis? Are both Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor going to get going? Is Derrick Henry going to get going and Jonathan Taylor not, or vice versa? Defense is going to be big. Biggest takeaway in this one's going to be running the football and who's going to have the better running attack. I am going to go with the Titans in this one. I think the Titans just have a better overall team. 
Defensive side, I think you got tight, the Titans have the edge. Running game, probably the Colts, but they haven't been able to get that going. Dehan's going to have another good game. And then quarterback play, Tannehill has got better options to throw to as well as a better quarterback at this stage of their career compared to Matt Ryan. But still should be a good game. I have the Titans winning this one 23-13 on the road. My lock of the week is going to be the Chargers winning on the road against the Texans. Now, I do have a lot of expectations for the Texans. I do think they're not as bad as people make them out to be. And honestly, if the Chargers would have won last week, this probably would have been my upset. But with the Chargers losing to the Jaguars, I just don't see them losing to the Texans back-to-back weeks, uh, the Jaguars and the Texans. The Chargers are just too good of a team. Yeah, they're going through some mishaps right now. They haven't been able to run the football. But ultimately, like, there's still a lot of season left to fix that and, and see where kind of that offense and even defense, for that matter, are going to go moving forward. I do believe, too, that the Chargers are a really good team. They've had some rough areas of, you know, where they were expecting to win games like last week, for example. They just haven't. But again, it's a long season. I think Eckler gets going. I think Eckler in fantasy gets over 30 points. Herbert gets going. Keenan Allen's back. Davis Mills has a good game. I have the Chargers winning this one 31-14. to 14. And the upset of the week, I'm really going for some big upsets. I could go for some one over two, like one twos over two ones. I'm going to go with the Jaguars beating the Eagles on the road. I think the Jaguars are hot. I really do. I think the Jaguars are a good team. I think people aren't giving them the credit they deserve. And this is the time that the Eagles lose the game. And they're the last, well, they they are the last undefeated team, but they are the last team to lose their first game. Jaguars, man, the Jaguars are able to pull this one off. I don't even know. I mean, the Jaguars should be Super Bowl contenders. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But the Jaguars, I think, are a good team. You know, Jalen Hurts, maybe this is the week that he has a bad week. Hopefully not because he's on two of my fantasy teams. But nonetheless, it's going to be a good game for both teams. I think the Jaguars do win this one 34-31. A Jaguars win would be something, wouldn't it? So that is my NFL preview. Let's go ahead and take a look at the final segment, the fantasy portion of the podcast. Moving into the final portion of the podcast, I'm going to go over my fantasy portion. Recapping my team's performance last week, I went 3-2 and two again. Honestly, I was scared I was going to go 0-5. I had some things work in my favor. The two leagues I had lost, well, of course, one of them was to my roommate Jackson, which my team just flat out didn't play. I scored like 75 points. It was just a rough week there. And then I had lost another week for various reasons. So 3-2, and two, again, I've never tried. I've never actually gone two wins in a week. It's either been three or four. I'm really not trying to go under three wins a week either. So at least moving forward on the right path, let's go ahead and take a look at my two must-starts. My first is going to be Chris Olave. Now, really high on Chris Olave. I was going into this fantasy season. I mean, he's got a tremendous skill set as far as his position and standpoint in the Saints offense. Obviously, in week one, he wasn't the biggest of targets, 11.0, and now 23.7 points each game, 3-5 and 9 receptions. He's continuously getting more and more targets. Michael Thomas is going to be out this week, and Jameis Winston's also going to be out this week. So not too sure the backup t- uh, quarterback is for the Saints, but overall, um, I think Chris Olave is going to continue to get some targets, especially in London. With Michael Thomas out, that opens the door for more opportunities. And I think people are still a little bit hesitant. You know, if he gets 23 points, sometimes he'll go back to 4 But I really think Olave is due for another touchdown this week, and I do think he'll get a good amount of receptions as well. Irv Smith Jr. is going to be my second player in week one, zero points. (laughs) Good start there. Week two, five receptions, 36, and one touchdown. And then in week three, two receptions for 32 yards. I like Irv Smith this week. Irv Smith's not a bad player. A lot of people want to rap on him just because he missed the entire year last year. 
he's a very good option as far as touchdowns are concerned. You know, he's going to be getting touchdowns. Um, everybody knows that, you know, tight ends are a heavy target there in the red zone. And overall, just one of those teams or positions, I guess you could say, that really kind of is one of those high fantasy targets as far as touchdowns are concerned, but low in the fantasy target category. Moving into my two must-sits, Jamal Williams is going to be my first must-sit. Last week, 9 points, 9.5, and then 19.8 at week one. He's kind of on a downwards trend. And honestly, going against the Raiders' defense, I'm not the biggest fan of him going into this week. I think that there is a lot more areas for negatives than there are positives with him. And that Broncos offense, like I said, only scoring 11 points last week is definitely going to be um, interesting to see the least. I do think, again, that it's just not the right place, right time. Maybe if he had a better matchup, it'd be a better um, area to just have success and, and have that area of overall um, you know, being a good uh, wide receiver uh, in this league or running back in this league. And so I'm just not the biggest fan of him going into this week against the Raiders. James Conner is also my next must-sit going against the Panthers. The Panthers haven't beat the – the Cardinals haven't beat the Panthers in nine years. So – that doesn't help him. James Conner has also not been um, a good overall player this season. You know, he's not really his fault. I do think that there is some areas where I do think he thrives and he's good for that Cardinals offense. But just the way that they've been playing, it's really not been a good spot for him to kind of have success and be a good fantasy reliable option. Again, Carolina's got a pretty good defense, so especially a defensive front that it might be hard to run through, and that's why there is going to be some concerns with starting him this week. First must or first sleeper is going to be Dalvin Cook. I really never thought I'd put Dalvin Cook as a sleeper because typically I'd put him as a lock, but obviously we know it. Vikings fans know it. The world knows it. He's had a rough start to the year, um, and that's not really his fault. The offense is still trying to get familiar around him and overarching, you know, seeing where he can end up as far as playing time is concerned and seeing how much of an impact he can make. I do believe as well that he is one of those players that really as time goes on, he'll develop into a better fantasy option this season. It's just not been a good fortune for him, and some people might want to give up on him early, which would just be absolutely stupid. So we'll see what happens moving forward in that, but I do think this week in London he's going to get at least two touchdowns, and that's going to provide very much an outlet of success. And then Zay Jones, I mean, 10 receptions, 85, and one touchdown last year. He's only rostered in 35% of leagues, arguably wide receiver one, maybe wide receiver two on that Jaguars offense. Obviously, he's trusted. Um, You know, he's a good, reliable option for Trevor Lawrence to throw to. And again, with a quarterback like him trying to find reliable options to throw to, having a guy like Zay Jones providing that security blanket is going to be huge for him um, and huge for that success. I do also think that this is going to be a time where um, Trevor Lawrence is continuing to rely on his receivers to kind of help continue moving forward as his career is concerned. And so I think overall it's a good pick to put him in your flex position, maybe even wide receiver too, if you're feeling a bit risky, even though those two spots don't necessarily matter. Brandon Ayuk's going to be my first bust. I mean, I've never been a big Brandon Ayuk fan. Two, five, and three receptions. He did have a touchdown last week, but again, kind of fluky. 6.7 points going up against a defense this week against um, you know the Rams, which is pretty solid. Just held the Cardinals' offense to 12 points. Wide receiver production obviously wasn't there. And I just don't see your wide receiver production being there this week with Jimmy G at the helm. 
I do believe you shouldn't panic on him just yet. I do believe also at a period of time he'll start to get better, and then there's some more things you know moving in your favor with Ayuk. But as far as this week's concern, going on that against that defense, I just don't really see it being necessary to uh, to put him in there. And then my second bust this week is going to be Daryl Henderson. I feel like the Rams kind of go for an interesting look with their running back. Some weeks they're going with Cam Akers. Some weeks they're going with Daryl Henderson. And that can work, but the way that they've been balanced hasn't necessarily been the greatest. And there's some kind of flaws in that. Only having a, a small portion of the load last week, I think that will continue to happen this week, especially since the Rams won. It's just not a smart decision to start Daryl Henderson this week. And really – Ever, I feel like it's not a, start, a good decision to start him unless Cam Akers is hurt because they're so in reliant those two running backs that it's depending on the week who's going to get the touches and who's not. So we'll see what happens with that. And that is your fantasy preview. Also, quick side note: Jackson start Damian Harris this week. You know what I'm talking about. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you like, share, whatever you guys do. Most importantly, though, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information about you I know you do not want to miss. Until next time, it is your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, signing out. Peace, take care, and good night, and have a great fantasy week.